Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash disciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 31. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with Lauren Enriquez. Lauren shares about her work in the pro-life movement and how we can become pro-life advocates as busy moms. We're also chatting about a ministry Lauren began for Catholic women called Fidelis and how waking up early has transformed her mom life. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I've been listening to to your show. I've become a listener and I'm a fan of what you're doing. Thank you for the ministry. Oh, thanks for saying that. Awesome. Um, Well, maybe we could start out and you could just tell me a little bit about you and about your life as a mom. Sure. So um, my life as a mom started about nine months to the day after I got married. I should say it started (laughs) on our honeymoon. So we have a honeymoon baby. Um, We got married in 2011 when I was a senior in college at Ave Maria University. So we spent our first year of marriage living in a dorm and uh, pregnant throughout the year of college. And it was really an adventure. Wow. Uh, So we kind of like hit the ground running as soon as we got married. uh, I met my husband doing pro-life work in Florida. And then um, as soon as I graduated, I got a job offer to come back to Texas to do pro-life work with a nonprofit called Texas Right to Life, um, which I had known for a long time. They're, they're very good allies and friends. Uh, so we came back to Texas, and then about three weeks after starting the job, the first child was born, and um, since then, I have had two more sons. So the oldest is now five years old, and then the youngest is two and a half. Um, and that whole time, I've just been so blessed to be able to continue doing pro-life work from home. So the, the job descriptions have kind of changed over time. I've done consulting and been an employee and worked for different organizations. But um, kind of the cool thing about working in the pro-life movement as a mom is the pro-life movement is all about supporting moms. And I've been no exception. So I've just seen so much accommodation and stuff of my own needs um, with different organizations. We have a very full life. Um, and my husband is actually from Peru. So um, he speaks Spanish with them at home. And we have this kind of like funny Spanglish (laughs) language that happens in our house because he's the only one who's fluent in Spanish and my Spanish is kind of poor. And then the boys have like different levels of comprehension. So it's, um, it's kind of like a zoo here sometimes, but we love it. Wow, that's neat. So um, did you know Spanish when you met your husband? Or did you just kind of start learning it um, after you met him? Uh, I didn't really, so I'm from Houston. Um, Everyone here kind of like can get by at a restaurant or different (laughs) establishments, Uh, but I'm still not fluent. And so I've definitely learned more being married to him. Um, But it's really funny because we definitely have like Ricky and Lucy moments. Um, I don't know if anyone is familiar with I Love (laughs) Love Lucy, Lucy, but... When Ricky gets like excited or upset, he speaks really fast. She like can't understand anything he's saying. And I can identify with that sometimes because if my husband gets excited, (laughs) he has like a different accent than what I grew up hearing. I grew up hearing Mexican Spanish and he has a Peruvian accent and it's hilarious. Like he'll completely lose me sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So do you get to visit? Is his family still in Peru? 
and uh, some of them. So he has nine siblings and they're everywhere from like Hawaii to Peru. Uh, so about half of the siblings are still in Peru. Uh, and we are going to go and visit for the first time with the kids um, next May. So we're really excited. Oh, that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a chance to go to Peru after I graduated from college and um, it was just a trip with friends and I loved it. It was um, just a beautiful country. So it was it was fun to be there. It really um, is. So I'd love to ask you about your life as a working mama, as you mentioned. Um, you said you work from home. And um, do you work, is it full-time with the Human Coalition? So I'm part-time with Human Coalition as an employee there. I'm the public relations manager. Okay. And then I also do consulting with other pro-life organizations for communications consulting. So um, if you kind of tally up all the hours, it comes out to roughly full-time or a little bit less. Okay, great. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about what the Human Coalition is and um, your position there specifically. Sure. Um, Human Coalition is um, a really unique pro-life organization. Human Coalition kind of pioneered the whole technology of search engine marketing within the pro-life movement. So what we do is actually um, identify women who are actively seeking an abortion. This has been kind of an underserved people group within the pro-life movement just because we didn't have the resources or the knowledge to be able to find and serve these women that are actively seeking an abortion for so mm -hmm. long. Um, so we find them when they're searching for an abortion on Google um, our ads will pop up and they'll call our help, our contact center. And then from there, we can schedule them to come into one of our women's care clinics where they'll receive one-on-one -on -one counseling and ultrasound. And then we have a really cool program called Continuum of Care, where to whatever degree the woman wants us to be involved and to help her on an ongoing basis, we can create a care plan that's specifically designed to her needs that identifies and, and addresses whatever the unique crisis is in her life. It might be that she's jobless or in an abusive relationship or just lacks overall support and childcare and that kind of stuff. So we can create a, a unique plan for her and then continue to walk with her and quarterback services to her from ourselves and from local churches and government agencies and nonprofit organizations. And we'll continue to walk with her as long as she wants. And that, that includes long after the child is born. Sometimes women will continue to come back for um, help and care and support. Um, for long after their child is born, they might come back to us with a subsequent pregnancy after the one that we initially helped them with. And so uh, it's, a, it's a really beautiful um, ministry that's, that's able to help women who are actively seeking an abortion and not just women that might be undecided about what they want to do with their pregnancy or have already decided to carry to term but just need some extra help. But we're actually able to identify those women that are actively seeking an abortion. And then on top of that um, side of our ministry, we also do some church outreach. So we're trying to get churches more engaged in the pro-life movement and, and helping them to recognize that the abortion rate within Christian churches and Catholic churches in the U.S. is about the same as the abortion rate in the, the mainstream culture. So there's, mm -hmm. there's a great need for our churches to be awake to that. Uh, and so we do have a, a church outreach um, kind of division as well. And uh, I do the, the media side of things. So I'm just making sure that the media is aware of who Human Coalition is and just the issues that are important to us. Wow, that is incredible. This, I mean, this is the first organization that I've heard about that really 
reaches out to women at the very early stages. I mean, when they're first, like, like you said, Google searching, um, an abortion. And I mean, I don't, I'm not tech savvy at all. So I don't even know how you go about like (laughs) finding those, those women or being aware of them. But that is just, that's so amazing that then you can, um, offer those services right away, like through an ad that pops up or, um, being able to, um, get their attention right from the beginning. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then that you not only reach them there, but walk with them through the whole process is just incredible. That's, that's amazing. So, uh, what is the consulting work that you do? Is that, um, you said through several other organizations kind of on the side? Yeah. So, um, I, I love to just get involved in things that look appealing and, and where I think I can maybe be helpful to different organizations. So, um, there's a number of organizations that I work with where they might need just like writing done or help with their annual report or, um, like press releases, you know, it could just be a really wide array, array of things, um, speech writing, but whatever the organization needs, um, I've just formed some great relationships where we're able to collaborate and, and do some miscellaneous projects. That's great. Um, how, how do you feel like you balance all of that with, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, feeling like the Lord has called you to this, but also, I mean, you have a family and, you know, you want to spend time with your husband too. And, uh, yeah. How do you balance all that? It's a work in progress. Um, honestly, I don't have like a magic formula or anything, but I did read recently something that I thought was really helpful from one of the like self-improvement writers that I love. I think it was Brian Tracy. But he said something like the to-do list is never going to be done. Like, and you just have to make sure that you're, you're trying to balance your day every single day. It's not something where you can necessarily, especially in my case, because my consulting work changes and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I can't just say, okay, here's my schedule for 2018. This is what I'm going to do every single day. It's, it's kind of more of waking up and saying, okay, what is going on today? How am I going to have to adjust here and there? Um, honestly, like a big turning point for me and being able to get some semblance of balance was when I started to wake up before the rest of my family, I try to get up around four and, and I get a workout wow. in really early. And that was like a completely foreign concept to me for the, the earlier years of motherhood. Um, but when I actually like bit the bullet and just started doing it, it really turned everything around and just made such a difference. I understand now, like when people talk about the, the magic of waking up early, right? Like, I actually know what you're talking about now. And, and so I think that has been the biggest, um, the biggest practical tool is just getting up before everyone so that I can assess what's going on and make sure that I've kind of prepared myself to face it before everyone wakes up so that they don't have to deal with me, you know, being frantic and stressed out early in the morning and then, and then just confused and dazed for the rest of the day, because that literally was kind of my life for a couple of years, Mm. especially when the kids were all babies. Yeah. So how long did it take for you to get used to that new schedule of you getting up before your family? Um, it actually, I got used to it a lot quicker than I thought I would. It really only took a few weeks. Um, I, I read this book. It's, it sounds very gimmicky when you're listening to it, but there's some helpful information and it's called the miracle morning. 
And I yeah, think, the, okay. have you heard of this? Yeah, my husband was telling me about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the guy who wrote it, his name is Hal Elrod or something. Um, but again, it's it's a short book. It does sound very gimmicky. Like he, he does a lot of self-promotion in the book, but just the tools that you, that you learn and kind of the inspiration to make that switch, um, I found very helpful. I don't actually follow like the formula that he lays out. He has like a whole five-step process of what you do when you wake up. I kind of have my own thing that I do, but mm-hmm. um, just the it, the book kind of helps to get me uh, inspired to start waking up earlier. Mm, I love that. So what do your mornings look like? You get up and then you said you work out. Is that the first thing you do? Yeah. So I get up at four and then on a good day, if I, you know, don't hit snooze or anything and, and wake up too late, um, I like to sit on the couch and just have like silence and, and prayer and thinking, or I'll write down my goals, like, um, on a piece of paper, just like write down my goals for that month and stuff. And I like to just try to write them down every day so that they're always in my subconscious. And then mm-hmm. I, I work out, I go to CrossFit at five pretty much every morning. Okay. Oh, that's so interesting to hear because um, there's a lot of individuals in my husband's family that love CrossFit. And I always wondered, like, as a mom, Mm -hmm. um, like, how that works out. Like, uh, my sister-in-law sometimes, like, at their gym, she was able to bring the kids. But, um, yeah, I wondered for other moms how that worked. So (laughs) for you, it's just getting up early and, and getting it in beforehand. So. Yeah, I used to go in the af- like later in the afternoon when my husband would get home from work, but that just didn't, it wasn't working out, you know, like he was coming home and then I was like, okay, I made dinner, I'm leaving, you know, and it was it just like after, after a few weeks, it became really clear that something had to give. And so that was actually part of what motivated me to start getting up early so that I could get it in and not have to like interrupt my whole family's day to get myself to, to the workout. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I love, I love hearing about people's different schedules. So (laughs) thanks for sharing that. Um, So turning back to uh, your pro-life work, um, have you always had a passion for the pro-life movement or is that something that came about uh, when you were in college? Oh, no. Yeah. I've always had the passion. Um, I think... I think in the in the, the Christian sense, like Christian women would understand this. I think it's just like a calling from God because um, mm-hmm. it's something he put on my heart at a really young age. Like the first thing I remember uh, about my pro-life history is like debating abortion with a little girl when I was seven. Like we, she was pro, wow. pro-choice and I was pro-life. And I remember this debate where um, we had these funny little talk, talking points that we were throwing back and forth at each other. And my parents weren't um, pro-life activists per se, but um, we definitely, you know, were, had a pro-life worldview. So um, it was, yeah, it's definitely been a lifelong process, but I had the opportunity in college to get a lot more exposure. Um, Ave Maria University had a Students for Life group. And then uh, I took off a semester of college to work on the road for Students for Life of America as a field agent. And that's when I met my husband. And then during college, every summer, I like interned with Texas Rights Life. So there were there was just a lot of opportunity, and there is a lot of opportunity for college students to be involved. So that helped mm. a lot. That's great. So um, as um, moms who are listening um, to this podcast and are interested in, you know, maybe being involved in the pro life movement in some sort of way, but you know aren't able at this point to work full-time or even part-time. Um, do you have any thoughts or tips or ideas for women um, in that 
in that place? Yeah, a few things. Um, one thing I always tell people that are that are looking to be involved and don't have a lot of time is just to be outspoken about being pro-life. And that might that might sound odd or obvious, but you never know what doors you're going to open to people who might be seeking an abortion or be post-abortive and in need of healing. Just if, if people know that you're an individual who identifies as pro-life, they might come to you for help at some point. So, you know, sharing the memes on social media and like putting a bumper sticker mm-hmm. on your car, wearing a pro-life t-shirt. I really like advocate all of that kind of passive activism, if you will. Uh, and then for people who have more time to be involved, I mean, local pregnancy resource centers are always in need of volunteers. And sometimes they even need help with things like um, answering questions on social media. So they'll, they, they mm. like to have volunteers that, that look at the Facebook posts and try to help answer questions of people that are asking. So that's actually one way that you can volunteer without even having to leave your house. Uh, and this is a campaign season. So um, there may be uh, candidates that are endorsed by your local pro-life organization or national right to life that you can help uh, from home or with very little you know, time commitment. So there's a lot of little things that people can do to kind of be involved, even if they don't have a lot of time. Yeah, that's great. Those are great tips. I especially love... Um answering questions on social media, something you can do at home, but could also be of service to local pro-life centers. That's awesome. Um, so I I was wanted to ask you about being the out, being outspoken and like you said, wearing the pro-life t-shirts and that sort of thing. Have you ever encountered, um, hostility from that or do you encounter a lot of, um, aggression ever from that? No, I mean, people on social media grow big social media muscles, and they, you know, they'll attack you there. Um, But honestly, in Mm -hmm. person, and and I do live in a conservative place, but this has been true wherever I've gone and been outspokenly pro-life. People are actually really receptive to the message. And Despite the kind of media spin on the pro-life movement, um, polling shows and and the reality is that most Americans are pro-life. Most Mm -hmm. Americans, only about 12% of Americans agree with like the the position that Roe v. Wade takes on abortion and that the abortion Mm -hmm. industry promotes. The rest of us are pretty reasonable in our positions. We either want abortion to be totally illegal or we want a lot of restrictions on abortion. And so um, the... The pro-life position has never been something that's um, provoked, you know, aggression or severe hostility among people that I've met in person. Um, And I I think the most probably uncomfortable response that I'll get from people is just kind of like awkward silence. You know, some people are just Mm. like, they don't know what to make of it. Um, But no one ever, yeah, no one ever really is aggressive with me. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's funny how uh, there can be you know, spins on that from the media or out the outside world that, you know, make us believe that there are more um, pro-abortion yes. people here in the U.S. than there actually are. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Absolutely. Hi, friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to let you know a great way you can support the show is by checking out Audible. One of my goals for the new year is to read more, and I'm on track to read twice as many books as I did last year, thanks to audiobooks. It's so nice to have a book I can listen to when I'm doing dishes or driving in the car. Is there a book you've been wanting to read? Get it for free at audibletrial.com disciples. 
and thanks for supporting the show. So Lauren, another thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, you also have a ministry for Catholic women called Fidelis. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Um, So I was wondering if you could tell us about that as well and how that began. Sure. Um, Fidelis is, we like to call it a platform for Catholic women. And our, our motto is kind of to relate, not aspire. So we've seen a lot of women's ministries um, and and groups that hold up, you know, a model for women to aspire to. And that's important. But we just felt that there was kind of an absence of um, platforms where women could speak openly about like the fact that they didn't like practicing NFP, you know, things that they were natural family planning, things that, that they were doing to be faithful to the faith, but they wanted to have a place where they could talk candidly about the struggles that they faced in the process. Um, and so at Fidelis, we just, it's very simple. We just do a Facebook live broadcast once a week, and then we share, you know, stories of saints that um, give people something to relate to. And we love saints like Saint Zelie, who is Saint Therese, the little flower's mother. Um, she had she spoke very candidly about things like what a terrible child Saint Therese was, and how she was always <laughs> having tantrums. And she was, in our in our words, we would say like she was such a little diva. And <laughs> you can totally relate to Saint Zelie on that level. Um, and so we really appreciate all the women's ministries that give people something to aspire to. But we just wanted to kind of come into that space and say, you can come here and just, you know, unburden yourself of like whatever um, struggles that you're carrying as a Catholic woman and, and not be judged. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting because I, I feel like uh, there, yeah, there is this pressure to... Um, you know, in our lives as faithful Christian women to like put on a certain face or look like polished, like we have our acts together. (laughs) But um, it's so helpful to have a place where you can discuss the things that you're really struggling with and um, have other women to kind of encourage you and bounce ideas off off of you as well. Um, So I'm wondering how, how do we as women combat that pressure? Um, especially maybe even as moms, mm-hmm. uh, that we need to look a certain way um, or maybe the feeling that we can only show like the polished areas of who we are. Yeah. Um, I know that that idea of only showing like, you know, the curated Instagram feed and making ourselves appear to have it all together. Um, it's popular, but it's really not rooted in scripture or like the lives of the saints or anything that, that guides our faith lives. Um, and, and like there's that part in scripture where I think Jesus, I'm trying to remember what the passage is, but is he like speaking to the Pharisees or something? And he's like, you clean the outside of the bowl, but the inside is all hmm. rotten, you know? Uh, right. And so we, we have to take some time to like, have introspection and, and ask ourselves if what we're presenting on the outside is a reflection of what we have going on in our souls. And that's not to say that there's not a place for beauty. I mean, I love I love the the curated Instagram feed as much as the next girl because it's beautiful mm-hmm. and there's we're supposed to be attracted to that. But I think there's like a line between showcasing that beauty and try and then on the other hand trying to like compensate for whatever is hurting or broken inside of us. Um, And yeah, just to go back to Fidelis, I mean, that's part of the reason that we, we wanted to introduce that platform so that people could feel that they had support in walking through that brokenness and that even rottenness that they might feel that they have inside of them um, in order to get to the other side where the beauty is and the beauty can be 
coming from within and be a reflection of um, what's really a beautiful soul. Hmm. That's great. So um, if people are interested in that uh, broadcast. You said it was a Facebook Live, is that right? Yeah, that you do? we do a Facebook is that Live a page? every week. Yeah, we have a Facebook page. Um, I'm going to double check the URL. I think it's facebook.com slash Fidelis blog. Okay. I, I can link to that, that in the show notes. That's okay. Yeah, I can link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, that's perfect. Um, and do you do that ministry with um, other women or... Um, are you the, the founder of it, or is it kind of a joint effort with other yeah, ladies? Yeah, it's a joint effort with my friend Cassie Fiano, um, who lives in Jacksonville, Florida. And we are both contributors at a pro-life site called Live Action News. Cassie's a lot more active now than I am there, but we could, that's okay. kind of how we met. And then we, we also encountered each other on another Catholic Women's Forum and um, became friends that way. And so she and I run Fidelis together. Okay, great. Perfect. Um, so Lauren, another thing I wanted to ask you about is that uh, in your work with the Human Coalition, and I'm guessing with Fidelis as well, um, you work a lot with uh, other millennials. And so I wanted to ask you if you felt like there were unique challenges or differences that maybe moms of our generation are facing or experiencing that might be just different from the past. Yeah, um, I think women today are facing this um, pressure to like, do everything. And there's also a lot of opinions now and there, I'm sure there were before, but now I think we hear them more because of social media. There's a lot of opinions about what we quote unquote should be doing. Um, I think the kind of a unique challenge for millennials is we have this information overload and that includes information about what other people think that we should look like or should be doing or what our routine should be or whether we should be attachment parents or helicopter parents or free range parents. And mm -hmm. there's just an information overload. And I know for myself, when I became a mom, I mean, my, my oldest is only five, so I'm by no means like a, you know, veteran, like experienced mother or anything. But even in those first couple of years, it's like you're kind of faced with this um, default identity crisis because you feel that you have to choose your parenting style and you have to like ch pick an identity in order to know who like you're going to fit in with and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of my, my personal experience with the challenges that millennial moms face. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to have a tribe of moms that look like you do. Um, just people that are willing to support you in your walk as a mom um, should be your tribe. But unfortunately, sometimes it's it can be hard to find that because we tend to gravitate toward um, the moms that adopt the same labels that we do. And I just wish that we were never put into a position where we felt that we had to attach all those labels to ourselves as moms. Hmm. Wow, that's so interesting and really insightful. I hadn't I hadn't really considered that, but I think you're right. I think there is this uh, pressure to almost feel like I need to define what kind of mom I am yeah. <laughs> by like certain labels. That's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I love what you're saying about how our tribe can be composed of different moms, you know, our, our women that we go to and we don't all have to look the same way or act the same way yeah. or homeschool or send our kids to school or, you know, all the different debates yeah, out there. So sure. that's really interesting. Great. Um, so Lauren, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? 
Oh, interesting. Okay, so I'm a homebody, so that's a hard one because I just like home in general. <laughs> um, I like my desk because I kind of like thrive off of productivity. So I really like being mm-hmm. at my desk, just like surrounded with my papers and my books and, and my laptop and stuff. But I mean, also my like kitchen table because that's where my family gathers together we've kind of been in transition in terms of housing for since we got married because we've been renting the whole time we've been married and so I haven't had a home yet where I felt like I could paint the walls the color that I wanted and and I so we haven't even bothered to like buy the furniture that we want or anything because we don't know what our permanent house is going to be so I have a Mm -hmm. feeling that question is going to be even harder as we actually can like personalize our house yeah (laughs) that's great so uh, with your desk, do you have a certain office space at home or is it uh, in your room or how how do you kind of define your work and home space? Yeah. Um, so in our master bedroom, we have like a closet. There, for some reason, there's two closets in there and we have a closet that mm-hmm. has like sliding doors that fits a desk in it. So I have a desk area in our master bedroom, but I also put a desk in the guest bedroom. Um, we got like an extra desk from my mom at one point and I put it in the guest bedroom and that's been working out better. So I've sort of migrated into the, the guest room as my workspace um, just because that way I'm not interrupting anyone when they're trying to sleep, <laughs> which was a problem yeah. before. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in the guest room. And again, just like that state of transition when you're renting for so long, I feel like I haven't really been able to make it mine in the way that I want to. But we try mm. to practice that crazy KonMari like method of minimalism, I guess you would call it. And so just getting rid of some of the clutter helped, but it's still not quite how I, I envision it for the future. Yeah. Yeah, my my husband and I have kind of been going through a a simplifying process and I think we'll continue to do so. We're um we're living with my parents right now, but we're going to be moving into a a home hopefully soon, Yay. hopefully next month, <laughs> which is exciting. Yeah. Um so we uh are going to like revisit that again like the simplification and do we really need this um cuz our homes uh, a little bit smaller. So it'll be good to, to do that again. And that brings you so much peace when you're able to, you know, let go of yes um, some of the things that clutter your life. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think it's probably personalities too. Certain personalities get more like agitated by having a lot of clutter around. Um, I'm definitely one of those personalities. So decluttering was a big yeah. step toward peace for us. That's, that's great. Yeah. I I was talking to my mom a little bit about this because, um, she is just really good. I think there's certain personality types. It reminded me of, of this when you said personality Mm -hmm. types, she's really good about just having things like organized and compartmentalized. So if like we're taking something out, you know, she just as, just as able to like organize it a little better. Whereas I feel like when I'm in my own home, it's just like chaos everywhere. (laughs) So it's, uh, I feel like maybe that's a personality thing too, where I do better with less things Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm able to keep it organized a little bit better. So yeah. So Lauren, what are you loving recently? Well, we kind of talked about CrossFit a little already. Um, I'm particularly loving it right now because we just started today. We just started our CrossFit Open, which is kind of like our version of the Olympics. Um, But we have intramural teams. And what I love about CrossFit is that I think people have this vision in their mind that CrossFit is all these like buff people that are at the gym all day and they're like rock stars. And they're definitely 
there definitely are those people. But so many of us are just like slightly flabby moms or like super obese people that are getting into shape for the first time or like teenagers and older people. It's just a really eclectic mix of people that come together to sweat. And um, the Mm. open is really fun because we have intramural teams. And so um, it's kind of a a fun experience when you're like a crazy mom that's working to be able to like have this little part of your life where you're sort of on a sports team for a little while. It's just fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's really fun. That's awesome. So for people who aren't familiar maybe with CrossFit, can you tell us a little bit about like the idea behind like how does it differ from just going to the gym and working out? Yeah. So um, if, if you go to the gym and you do like a group exercise class, they follow like a template where um, they kind of use the same series of music at every class and you do the same movements in the same routine and then they might change it up every few months. But at CrossFit, when you show up um, every day, it's a, it's a different workout every single day and the workouts are never really repeated unless they're like benchmark workouts that you'll do every couple months to see if you can shave a little time off your score or something. So when you show up every day, you have no idea what you're in for. And I find that really exciting. And I never like look at the, um, workout ahead of time before I get there because I don't want to psych myself out <laughs> and be like, oh no, I and I'm not going to go today. Um, so you might show up and have like rowing and a certain lift and then like a bunch of box jumps one day, but then another day, the next day, it's going to be a completely different set of movements. And so um, it's just very varied and you work every part of your body. You do weightlifting, but you also do like high intensity cardio. Um, and it's just so varied that you never get bored. Hmm. That's great. Yeah, I love that. And the people that I know that uh, do CrossFit love it. (laughs) So that's awesome. It's like you have like a group of people that's, you know, all on board with it. And um, you have that support system too, which is great. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, So Uh, My last question for you, Lauren, before I ask you where we can find out more about you and your work, but do you have any mom hacks to share? Um, Well, you know, I would say my mom hack is learning how to say no to things um, and and not worrying too much about the status quo. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of the kids that like go to my kids school, their moms like have a little more time than I do. And so they're in gymnastics and like a lot of extracurriculars. And for a while, I was feeling kind of guilty that I didn't feel like I had the the budget or the brain power or the energy to like do extracurriculars. Um, but when I kind of gave myself permission to start saying no to things, it was really liberating. So I guess I would mm-hmm. just say that, you know, not feeling bad to say no to things that you don't have space for just so you can really give your heart to the things that you do have space for uh, would be my mom hack. That's so great. I am um, I'm reading a book right now called Present Over Perfect. It's by yeah. Shauna Nyquist. Have you heard of it? I have. Yeah. I haven't read I, it yet, but my friend is uh, I think we're going to do the like Bible study or something. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I think you would love it and it's like exactly about what you're talking <laughs> what you're talking about. I'm only a couple chapters into it, but um you know, it's about saying we can get so overrun and like overcommitted and feel all these pressures that we need to be doing everything. And it's Mm -hmm. about like really just like simplifying and being able to say no in order to have some peace in our lives and be able to really connect with the people that um, uh, surround us. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been great so far. So I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it when you read it. 
Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to read it now. Yeah, great. Um, So Lauren, where can people find out more about you and about your work online? Um, Well, probably the best place to keep up with me, if anyone is brave enough to go into that mess, um, would be on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My handle on Twitter is at LN Enriquez. So L for Lauren, N for Nicole Enriquez. Um, But more than that, I would encourage people to follow Human Coalition. We're at Human Coalition on like every major social media platform. And our website is humancoalition.org. Okay, that's great. And I forgot I wanted to ask you for um, women who are interested in um, just gaining more knowledge about the pro-life movement, even just I'm thinking of like statistics that might be helpful to know, things like that. Is there a place on Human Coalition's website or do you have any other ideas where you would direct people to just learn more? Yeah. So um, I'll give you three really good resources. So Human Coalition site is wonderful. We have a lot of life decision stories and we have a blog where we go through like philosophical and theological and sociological arguments related to abortion. So it's really good for apologetics. Oh, great. Um, so I, that website, our website, humancoalition.org, is really um, encouraging and educational. But two other really good uh, resources, I would say priestforlife.org, um, to kind of get the not only the Catholic perspective, but they also have um, a minority outreach. It's called mm-hmm. Human Rights for the Unborn, I think, or Civil Rights for the Unborn. Um, that is a really good resource. And they also have like a graphic image gallery. So if you ever want to kind of like confront the reality of abortion when your kids are not around, um, that's a helpful resource. And they've got a lot mm-hmm. of testimonials from like former abortion workers and post-abortive women and that kind of thing. So priestforlife.org is a good resource. And then, of course, I would be remiss not to mention Live Action. Liveaction.org, it was started by Lila Rose when she was a teenager, and it's got lots of investigations into Planned Parenthood and pretty much every like detail about abortion and the abortion industry that you could ever want to know. So it's a fabulous educational resource and has a lot of good information on Planned Parenthood in particular. Okay, that's great. And do you have any just tips for uh, if people are wanting to uh, share facts with people who are Mm -hmm. pro-abortion? Do you have any like tips on maybe a compassionate or a good way to to bring it up? Yeah. I mean, the person who knows the most about this um, or is most up to date on this, I would say, um, is a person named Josh Brom at the Equal Rights Institute. His whole mission is to teach pro-lifers how to debate abortion and debate with uh, people on the other side without falling into all the logical fallacies that are that are really common on both sides. Um, you, mm-hmm. you never want to like personally attack somebody, you know, and say like your hair is ugly because you don't agree with their argument, you know. So he kind of teaches yeah. you all those um, logical positions and also gives you arguments against the common Um, arguments that are made by the other side. So I would follow the Equal Rights Institute. They have a website and then they're on Twitter as well. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Lauren. That's really helpful. Sure. And um, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been really informative (laughs) and insightful. So thank you so much for sharing with me. I feel like I've gained a lot from this, this chat. Oh, I had a really nice time talking to you. Thank you for having me on. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time with Lauren today. I pray for uh, her and her 
ministry and just the work of the pro-life movement, Lord. Pray for all the women listening today, um, all the moms that find themselves in the that find themselves in the busyness of the day and in the chaos. I pray, Lord, that you would bring them uh, peace and guidance and rest. And Jesus, we love you and we offer this all in your holy name. Amen. Hi friends, thanks for listening in. At the time of this episode's release, we have about two weeks left in Lent. As our parish priest said, the first few weeks of Lent 2018 have come and gone, but we still have two weeks to up our prayer game and make some sacrifices for the Lord. I hope this week you're able to hold strong to your Lenten resolutions and grow closer to the Lord in prayer. If you haven't already today, take some time now to spend with God. Share with him your heart, what you're grateful for, and where you need his help. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.